fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And tonight we are... We have a book episode. It's been a while since we've done a book episode, so we are diving into another book episode, and tonight we are tackling the kind of the idea of book-to-media, book-to-screen type mm. implementations, what we like, what we don't like. I like how you like did that, mmm, like you just learned the topic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> intriguing, interest. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's no- a good topic. Yeah, just spread that, you know, <laughs> feed that little in bit of intrigue, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there, there's that ambiance been some, here, Yeah, ambiance. I love it. It, and it is the ambiance has been set. Yes, <laughs> there have been some good ones. There have been some bad ones. There have been some interesting ones. Yeah. So we'll. Uh, and this is. I think we'll. It's an interesting topic because, like, we've it. done sort of icebreaker type topics on this, right? We've like touched on this topic a lot. Um, yeah, throughout throughout like, throughout the podcast. So I don't know. Um, this is one that we we were talking about beforehand, and we we have ideas of where the conversation can go. But sometimes when we plan episodes, we do a lot of planning, <laughs> and because yep. it's something like Twilight Imperium, and it's like I need to have a structured way that we're going to make it through. Like there's an outline of how to get through this episode. Um, I thought you did that one off the cuff. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I care too much to mess it, that I would mess it up. So I, I planned it. Um, That's fair. This one is I, we were talking beforehand, where we we both have ideas. We have things like you know we could talk about, but I think it's going to be a little more free flowing. So I'm excited for the conversation. To see where it takes us. Me too. Before bef- now that we've kind of teased you all, yes. we we're going to divert and we're going to talk about what's on our flight. Mm-hmm. So. Dalton, what are uh, what are you drinking tonight? What am I drinking tonight? Tonight I'm drinking um, Blade and Bow. Um, this is one. Yeah, yeah. You know this one because yeah. um, I that's have the, a. That's the that's the table lamp. That's the table lamp. Yeah, there was a <laughs> there was a gift that I received. It's a table lamp that was like a like a craft you know like a craft gift like a handmade gift that used this bottle and it was because of the, like this person's father really liked bourbon. They knew I liked bourbon and um, this is like their favorite bourbon. So they like took that empty bottle and they made a table lamp out of it. And Nelson knows it because it ended up in the guest room where he always used to sleep. <laughs> I've fallen asleep a lot next to that. That's right, bottle. next to an empty bottle of, of Blade and Bow. <laughs> Um, so this is actually my second bottle that I purchased. I think the first one I finished, and I didn't have it on the podcast. I think I finished it like maybe too fast or something. Um, huh. But anyways, it is around the 40 to 45 price point. Um, I think I heard this described. There's two words that I, that I heard this described as that really helped me. The first is like friendly. And I never heard a bourbon described as friendly, but I thought that was an excellent descriptor. Um, That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, this is a friendly bourbon. Like it it's it tastes like bourbon like it's pretty you know it has like layers of complexity like which which we'll talk about but for the most part you taste it it's like yeah this is a bourbon and it's just like not attacking you with it like it with its bourboniness or with its burn right. or anything it's it's just like hey i'm here to be a bourbon you want to be friends <laughs> hey buddy hey buddy like that's that's kind of what it tastes like and it and it's it's really tasty. The second word that I heard described as was more related to the nose, and I was really having trouble identifying the nose. And someone said a carnation, like the flower, a carnation, like it. Oh, okay. Um, and it's that it's like a really floral, really polleny. You know, this big bold flower, and it's like, dude, that is it. Like that's exactly what it tastes <laughs> like. What that's it, it. What it smells like, and what the very front of the taste tastes like for me. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. So it's really fun bourbon as a as a bourbon. It's like. It's multi-layered, but in like, 
some like some whiskeys are multi-layered in a like the sense of a book where you like turn the pages of it and some bourbons like this one are multi-layered in the sense of like a firecracker where you get like all the layers all at once. <laughs> um, yeah. And, okay. And this one's, yeah, it's definitely like the firecracker style and it's, it's not firecracker in that it's like super aggressive flavors. Like I said, it's still friendly, but when you try to identify them, it's like, Oh my God, there's like, I almost have to like taste and like focus on one thing and then be like, that's that part. <laughs> and then like turn to something yep. else and try and identify what that was, you know? So it makes for a really fun like tasting. I would I would very much recommend it. Um, I think it's a three cheers for me, um, where I'm happy okay, to like nice. yeah happy to happy to recommend it, happy to try it, happy to have a bottle around. It is like I said in that forty forty five, which for me and maybe for some of you is like I'm only going to buy one of those like kind of every once in a while. It's not like I'm going to buy them once a week or something. And so, but if you're looking to make kind of your next purchase in that in that price point, then Blade and Bow, I think it's I think it's a great pickup. Excellent. Yeah. No. It, and it has a key, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. It has like a fun little key on the bottle, like a little metal key. See, like we can almost do the clink this way. And there it is. You know, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah it, I don't know. Like, yeah, but that's that's definitely the most recognizable thing. I have I haven't done the research. I'm failing you as your as your loyal podcaster um, and your and your wealth of knowledge. I'm failing. You. I don't know why there's a key on it, um, <laughs> but there is a there is a key, and it ha- it is neither a blade nor a bow. There is a key, and so it's this third item. Um, I also forgot to say this is from Stitzel and Weller Distillery, um, which is a distillery I'm not familiar with. Um, they are a Louisville distillery. Go team. I just, I like, it was one of those things that I said and then was like, is that right? <laughs> I am right. It is a Louisville <laughs> distillery. Um, and they have a couple of other um, brands. They have IW Harper, which I've not tried. And then they have they have Orphan Barrel, which is, I believe, kind of like their like lower, more general end is where they get like a little bit more experimental and they have like flavored stuff and, and whatnot. Gotcha. So, okay. Um, I've not had either of those. I can't make recommendations on either one. And then Blade and Bow, there are two expressions of. There's like their general bourbon and then there's a 22 year. Um, so I'm having the general one. Oh, geez. not having the 22 okay. year. <laughs> <laughs> 22 year costs a little bit more than 45. I, I, I would assume, you know, I've, <laughs> in the sense that I've never seen it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's old enough to be drafted. Exactly. Exactly. Can, <laughs> this bourbon can go to war. Um, I can't. So, um, it's been one of those that's always intrigued me. Like just falling asleep by it every single Thursday night. You know, over the last couple of years, when when uh, we lived close to each other, it's been one that has intrigued me. Yeah. And also, like for whatever reason, that key makes me just want to buy it. And I don't know if like it's just marketing working on me like <laughs> it normally does, but I like I. It just seems like a fun purchase, and you yeah. get a cool key. Yeah, and so I think um, your mind goes, "Oh, it's a promo." <laughs> yes, it's a, oh my gosh, it's a bourbon promo. It's a bourbon promo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I, I'm excited. I for some reason I was thinking it was way more expensive than the forty to forty five range that you were describing. Yeah. So, so that that's good. Yeah. That that that's good to hear. So I I may uh I may swing by and pick one of those up. Try it out. At some yeah. Point. Yeah, absolutely. What are you trying tonight? So tonight, I I have a I have a special beer. Ooh! A company called Your Beer Friend reached out to us on Instagram, and they are a subscription box, monthly subscription box beer delivery service. And so they handpick six craft beers every single month and send it to their subscribers. Mm. And you can buy like a a monthly subscription, or you can buy a like a one off type thing. Yeah, and they'll do like. 
their tasting. So like they'll do a virtual tasting, which I think you did one for wine before, right? I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. A, it, that one was actually a gift and it was really neat. It was just like the wines were like shipped to us and then they had sort of like a Zoom call where, you, you know, it, was, yeah. it felt like a regular wine tasting at that point. Yep. So that that's like very similar to what your beer friend is doing, but with beers. Mm. And so they're, you know, they're, they're doing that. And so they, they sent a box to us that has their month, their monthly box to us. And so I'm trying one of the beers from that box. And so that box um, came with six crazy different pint sized beers. Mm. And I reached out to him. I was like, Hey, like which one should I try on the podcast? And oh, so yeah. they recommend, they recommended kindness. So kindness is a session, uh, hazy IPA from Anchorage brewing. Like when I, when I think of like a hazy IPA, and all of that like i think a little bit higher but then session i bring it down you know apv is a little bit lower mm-hmm. and the apv lands at a four percent at this one so it is not heavy at all mm. so with that being said i did bring a second one that we may break into later tonight during yeah. the episode so we'll, we'll see where that goes but <laughs> with with the lower alcohol content i was kind of expecting it to be a little bit more bland than mm-hmm. it actually is i mean it is i mean it's pretty full of flavor like it's got a lot of fruity flavors and where that comes from and it's kind of interesting cuz they they give you a little card that they write up a description of the beer right it's mm-hmm. from their own words so it's you know like it's using like the i the first person yeah. tense, right? He's like, I thought this. So it was kind of cool to see like their insight into it as well. But they, they kind of had the same impression where it was a little bit of more fruity of a beer. And what, what they discovered is that it's actually brewed with Sauvignon Blanc grapes. Oh, interesting. So yeah. So, so that's kind of what's giving it its fruitiness, Yeah, which, which is um, kind of interesting. It has like no bitterness at all, like yeah. 4%. Fruity, it, it has no bitterness, and so like this is kind of it's like called one kindness of those, like, for a reason. Yeah, it's called kindness for a reason, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's like you could give this to someone who doesn't like IPAs. I think they would have an, an okay time with it. Yeah, so cool. it may be that stepping stone. Like if you're looking for that, so kindness IPA from Anchorage Brewing. I don't actually know how easy it's going to be, considering it's from Anchorage Brewing, mm-hmm. but <laughs> uh, easy to get. It's going to be so. Yeah. So if you're looking for a stepping stone beer and you happen to be in Alaska, maybe maybe this is your go-to. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but that is kindness. So that that's what I'm drinking tonight. Very at cool. least for the first half of the episode. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's a cool idea. Um, you know, I like the I like the idea. I like the because only because we we love to try new beers. Um, we love like the pick six feel, right? Um, but some, oftentimes you're like in the aisle and you're like, well, I don't know. And sometimes you just pick stuff that right. like, based on, we've done this all the time where it's like, I picked this yeah. on the label, I, I or, you know, yep. I, or very rough description. So just kind of having someone like curate that for you, kind of weed through the bullshit for you a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And basically yeah. just provide you a very high quality pick six once a month that you can, you know, you can try right. one, a, one a week or whatever, one or two a week. And yeah. And, yeah. I like the idea. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. So I, I was really interested and excited about the the company as a whole i'm very interested after tasting this beer so good job your beer friend um yeah love the beer that you picked out here so we'll see how (laughs) the next five go yeah (laughs) (laughs) tune in later tonight as nelson Nelson finishes the sixth beer exactly yeah yeah oh man what has been on your mind recently mr dalton mr dalton that's me um, so I, I finished the Witcher series. That was a, that was a big 
deal. The book? Yeah, The Witch of the Book. Yeah. Um, cool. I also did okay. finish um, the show. I, I watched the second <laughs> show season. Show off. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> Brush my shoulders off, yeah. Pretty yeah. cool kid over here. Um, <laughs> I watched 10 episodes on Netflix or whatever. But, but no, but I finished the book. So it was um, the, you know, we've talked about The Witcher before. It's a five-book series with two um, sort of prequel books. And so this was, I read them in sort of chronological order as opposed to release order and so um this was the last book chronologically um and so the end of the series and i i was when i was approaching the end of the series you get that sort of like it's almost like you start feeling nostalgic before the series ends yes yes where you're like oh man it's ending like i've i've spent so much time with this with these characters (laughs) right i've spent so much i'm sure there's a german word for that yeah, there's probably a German word for that. It's Thirty <laughs> characters long, you know, um, just like the you know to wrap around the Scrabble board to complete it. Yeah, but, <laughs> I remember. Just side note, you know, it's a it's a book and board game podcast, so I'm going to claim this as a very very rough link to to this story. Love it. But we had Big like fan. something like you remember how showing our age like when they made the little recording VHS things, like you could record oh, yeah. TV on like your VHS, right? It was right? insane. It was magic. Yeah, yeah, it was magic. And now it's, you know, now you can do DVR or whatever, but, but somehow this was legal. <laughs> so you could like put a VHS in and you could record Star Wars or whatever came, happened to come mm. on TV. And sometimes, you know, your dad or whoever would like try to pause the recording during the commercials, but then he would forget and he would fuck it up. And so you'd have to skip, you know, you'd be like, what happened? Because you missed like two minutes because you forgot to turn the the recorder back on. So anyways, we had a bunch of these. And on one of them that we used to watch all the time, I don't remember what it was, but we used to watch it all the time. But there was a commercial, and so it must have been a Disney movie, because there was a a Disney commercial where this girl spells out supercalifragilisticexpialidocious on a Scrabble board, you know, and her whole family's like, what? You know? (laughs) I love how involved this tangent is getting. I I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm a big fan. (laughs) That's all I'm... (laughs) It's just like, it was, and you're like going over the screen, you know, and it's like all these words to try and like link how, like somebody, they gave it to an intern, I'm sure, had to actually make the Scrabble board (laughs) that like could have accomplished this feat of <laughs> scrabble monstrosity yeah because you, know, you know it was physical there there's no uh, <laughs> there's no visual effects there's no visual that. effects at the time it's, right it's so, the 90s it's yeah it was filmed in like a living room of some like someone's house you know like that was the whole commercial yeah. it was just like her spelling it out and then they're like go to disney world and then you know it cut away to like the next commercial um but anyway <laughs> i just i just remember this and as a kid being like that's crazy you know <laughs> How'd she do that with only seven letters? (laughs) (laughs) She must be a genius Scrabble player. I know. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so The Witcher. (laughs) (laughs) Transitions are fun. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Segways. We love them. Um, (laughs) The Witcher. It it did actually the ending felt a little bit um, inheritance like where like the book ended and then there was like, you know, like eight more hours in the book. I was like, oh, my God, like. Was that the climax or is like there another one? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You know, but like felt like the climax and it definitely was. But I think just, so now that I'm like standing back from it, I'm like reviewing the whole series. I think, I think he's, he's definitely a short story author and that's known. Okay. Like the Witcher originally was a set of short stories. It was written for like a, not a newspaper, but, but something like that, like, like a, like a journal uh, of, you know, so it was like a, like a short story written for a journal and and that's why the prequels are collections of short stories is because they were ones that he basically Got already it. written and just kind of like were, you know cleaned up and he put them in put them in a book. 
And the, but the reason I say that is because like especially in the final book, it kind of felt like, and I didn't mind it. It's not a criticism, but it felt like he was trying to hit all of his last ideas before the story ended, before the series ended. You know, um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So all these like little moniker ideas of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to tell the story like this way, and to have it be like a character who's in this position and they're telling this the story of what happened to them to another character. Or there's one where it's like two characters that are well into the future that are trying to research what actually happened to the characters that you know about. Mm, um, yeah. And like, that's how the story is kind of like being told. And it's told through like the magic system. Cause like one of them is like a dreamer. And so if she, like she can dream dreams of things that actually happened, but she has to have like prompts and stuff. So they're trying to dig up prompts and like items and trinkets and paintings and, you know, things to like trigger dreams for her so they can find out what actually happened. You know, and then they'll tell kind of like, sounds little, interesting. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it was, it made for a book that was a little bit disjointed, like the last book, because it was like, got it. There was like maybe three or four sections where the to- the story was just being told in a very different way, so you kind of had to like follow that a little bit. But it was, yeah, you know, the story itself, just at its core, was, was very satisfying. Um, I thought that he wrote one of the better. We had a an episode all about battle scenes, um, and I really wish I had read this book before having that episode because I thought it had one of the better battle scenes where very cool yeah and none of the main characters were involved in it and it was a super engrossing battle scene and he basically like wrote in and again it's like he has this strength with short stories where he can develop a character in like 30 seconds and you're like i want to know what happens to this guy Um, (laughs) so he told the whole battle scene from like the perspectives of like an experienced general from the perspective of the leader of a um a cell swords crew um from the expect the perspective of a field hospital surgeon from the inspect the perspective of a scribe who doesn't have battle experience but felt honor bound to join the army and is now kind of caught up in this battle and felt over and feels overwhelmed or whatever and so gotcha. you're like hearing the yeah. story of this battle from That's all these cool. like yeah from all these like different you know lenses and character perspectives that aren't again really not main characters but just really I felt it I felt that it added so much connection and just value to the battle scene just so much you know it just yeah. like really yeah. dug you into it um, and when like really nitty gritty things happened, you're like, it like really affected you. Um, yeah. And because absolutely. they were side characters that were just introduced, you're like, this guy could die right now. You know, like that was, that was <laughs> yeah. totally on the table. It's not like a main character. Like, and Aragon is safe here. He's not going to kill Aragon. Yeah. Because, yeah. Right. It's not Game of Thrones. It, it, <laughs> it's impressive when an author is able to invoke that much emotion with that little time. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Like it, that, that's a very impressive skill. Yeah. Definitely. That's cool. That's really cool. So it, it's also kind of interesting to have a battle without any of the main characters, like that. Yeah, that's an interesting literary choice, I would say. Yeah, it, it definitely sounds is. like it worked. It it did work. It was a battle that um, the outcome of the battle had very significant impact to the main characters, right? So got it. Okay, um, it was important. So there was like, an emotional tie there. Yeah, so. and as a, as a reader from a plot perspective, you're not just like, why is he telling me about this battle? Because like <laughs> you're like, oh, I need to know what happens here. Um, but the characters just like. You know, they're not leaders of nations. They're not, you know, these right. great generals. That if they were in the battle, it would have maybe felt a little forced. Um, so I think Got he it. just chose to like pluck them out and just like kind of write the battle in a different way and kind of play into his strengths as a short story author. As a whole, if you haven't read it, I think it's totally and you like fantasy. I think it's totally worth worth picking up as a, cool. as a series. I you know I've really enjoyed it. I think you have to walk into it with this lens of like he's a short story author. He's going to throw in little li- literary devices because he thinks they're <laughs> yeah. fun. And, right. and sometimes it's confusing and you have to kind of just like knuckle through it a little bit. Um, if that's not your thing. 
and and for me it it wasn't always like sometimes there were some like literary devices where it's like i don't know that i'm really enjoying the way this is being told but i want to know what happens and yeah um, <laughs> the good news is because they're out. short stories quote unquote they didn't last that long typically yeah typically you got through Very pretty cool. quick so yeah. yeah did you think that the you did it through audiobook correct yes did did you find that the narrator was engaging and oh everything? yeah like, i i loved him good. i thought he was so good like his his voice especially for like Geralt. It, it like it it sounds like a different voice actor i don't know how he does it um that's that's impressive yeah but it's very immersive um in cool. that sense i think okay. he can he can in his like narration that's not just like speaking through a character like his his narration of the story he can get a little bit monotone and a little dry and so sometimes i felt myself disengaging for that reason gotcha coupled with the fact that the story is sometimes just told in a confusing way you know those yep. two things coupled with like sometimes i just had to do a little like wiki searches of like what just happened <laughs> <laughs> yep you know explain yep. this to me oh cool well is it is it kind of like sad that it's over yeah you know or or it, but you do have a tv show to look forward to now like I do, yeah. and like without diving too much into our topic right how how is that how did you like the tv show compared to the book i think the casting is incredible like i think henry cavill is like he's the best that yeah. could be i don't know the, the girl of the name of the girl who plays siri but i think she's like spot on i think jennifer is spot on um and so i think a lot of that uh yaskier the the bard um he's he's really funny they had to like kind of make some choices with him because like Yaskier, the character in the book ages a lot and right and he's not aging right now because he's an actor <laughs> um and yeah so they you know they have to make some choices with that but um, overall i think the casting's really good um i loved the first season um the second season we talked about in i think a recent episode where they made some kind of storyline choices in the season that i maybe didn't totally agree with i, th- I think they could have stayed a little bit more true to the story okay but you know like you said not getting we'll talk we'll probably talk more detail about it later um yep but not getting too much into it i think it's one of the it's one of the when I was just listing out like things I can think of, it was in probably the top middle of that like list of book to movie ad- adaptations. You <laughs> okay. know, it was it was definitely like the top middle. The top middle. It's not the best. <laughs> um, it's the mediocre. <laughs> but it's like a little better than the media. It's like in the mediocre class, yeah. it's the best. <laughs> yeah. In the mediocre weight class, uh, in the B list, it's A. <laughs> yeah. The game casters have a term: good, not great. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and good. I think I think that's, I think good. that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> So awesome. But in cool. terms of am well, I sad to finish it? Um, I don't think I'm sad. I think it stayed. It's welcome. Like it's a seven book okay. series. It, you know, that's long. It's long. Um, and it, it's sort of like, I'm glad with where it ended. I'm glad with how it ended. I'm not necessarily glad that it's over, but I'm also like, if there was three more books, it would be hard to read them at this point. Yeah. Um, and I am interested in continuing wheel of time. I've read the third book and I want to read the fourth. Okay. I've heard that like, I've heard that the fourth is sometimes people's favorites. And so I'm interested to interested to hit it. And so, you know, cool. there's just more that I want to move on to seven book series yeah. of, of that yeah. length of book, especially are, are, are tough. So very cool. Yeah. Bittersweet. Bittersweet. That you finished it. Yeah. But I've been, I've enjoyed it. It's been a journey. It's been a journey. It's been a journey. And <laughs> yeah, I just got to play the video games and then I will consume all three forms of media of this, you know, of this world. So you will rise to the ultimate Witcher power. That's right. That's right. Now I will have a little wolf necklace. Yes, no. that'd be sick. Cool. What about you? What's been on your mind recently? So I'm mad. I'm mad. Oh um, no. I I'm mad. Oh, I know so, what this is going to be about. I think. Yeah. So so we talked about last episode that yeah. I had started the name of the wind, and now I'm just mad at Patrick 
for not writing a third book because oh, so I finished Wise Man Fears, okay. and those books are so entertaining and so good and so not finished. Yeah, and <laughs> it's been over eleven years now since our last book, yeah. and like I want the finale, and I'm afraid and almost convinced at this point that we're never going to get it, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm mad. Yeah, but have you ever read the um the short story about the Yes. I, it's been so long, yeah. I forget. But what's the girl's name? Ari. Ari. The short story is about Ari? Yeah. You have it. Okay. Yes, cool. yes. Those are good. Yeah, those good. are fun. Quick recap, if you have not read it, and let me preface this by saying, like, on our most recent top five book, top five board games episode, we both dropped this series out of our top five mm-hmm. due to the fact that it's hard to recommend because it's been 11 years and it's an unfinished series. Yeah. And at this point, we don't know if we're going to get a finish. So it, it makes it very hard to recommend. But the it's all about like a all powerful arcanist telling his story to a scribe. And so it's, you know, going through his life, how he grew up as like a, a bard effectively and mm-hmm. kind of went into and learned magic and learned sword fighting and all of this. And so it, it's a excellent book. Two books. Yep. And they are so engaging. And it's been like one of the only books in the last probably six months that like I I will like get up out of bed. I'm like, yes, I listened to the book in the shower. Let's go. Like, oh, I'm yeah. Like, like, this is, I'm like about to get audiobook time. I, I'm about to get more of it. And like those books are incredible. Those books are so much fun. Those books are so frustrating when there's not a conclusion. Yeah. Right. So so that that's why I'm mad. That's why I'm upset. Mm. But damn it, I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to bring this nev- negativity into your life, but <laughs> the first two books are incredible. Wise Man's Fear is so well done. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of talks a little bit more. Like Name of the Wind is pretty young. Kavoth, like that's the that's the main character's name, and he you know he's going to the university, high level, not spoiling anything, but like goes to the university book two goes into a little bit more of kind of his life story, which mm-hmm. is just really good. It's really interesting. Uh, Patrick Rafoss has a lot of interesting ideas around culture, around language, around stories that yeah. just kind of like do such good things when they're put into the novel. Like one of the things that I completely forgot about was like the Yilish language uh-huh. which instead of a written language the language is a knot like they tie specific knots to tell a story mm-hmm. and like to read it you have to like feel and like run your hands over the knot and like that doesn't provide any bearing on the story whatsoever mm-hmm. but it's super interesting it's super immersive it's super fun so yeah yeah so i'm mad yeah i, I finished that do you think <laughs> do you think if the if the third book maintained the caliber it wasn't better or worse but just maintained the caliber of the first two in terms of trilogies where do you think it would fall because i'm thinking of like big name trilogies like lord of the rings right for us you know mistborn like yeah, just some yeah, of our yeah, favorite yeah. trilogies like do you think lord of the rings star wars yeah probably two probably behind lord of the rings i, I that's the only thing i can think of that would beat it honest and that's totally honest opinion i think that's the only thing that can beat it if it maintained the caliber and i think that's why he hasn't written it you know, yeah. I'm wondering if he's like a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. He's in the same boat as Martin is right. right. Like fans need excellence and that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And fans are fucking brutal. going to be hard. It is like, I mean, like 
I want the next Game of Thrones. I want the next Name of the Wind or Kingkiller Chronicles right. series. But like, t- like fans are brutal. Like if you look at like uh, Martin's tweets, like the top reply is always like, "Where's Winds of Winter?" Like it's always mm-hmm. just like, no matter what it is, it's just like, "Why are you tweeting this instead of writing?" And it's like, dude, he has a life, right? Like this is his job. Yeah. Like lay lay off. Like right. come on, like give him space. But then again, like I also see from their perspective, like it been 12 years yeah like, what are we doing yeah. <laughs> like i don't know like, what your health your is like are you going to die <laughs> like <laughs> yeah yeah and we've already gotten the the statement from sanderson that he's not going to pull a wheel of time and finish game of thrones right so which which is completely fair like i i completely agree with that that uh decision yeah right yeah especially at this um, point like he's his own he's an established author he's got his own things going on yeah you know yeah exactly um i think to, but, to do that says that he's less than at this point right like yeah when you're doing that for robert jordan it's like when muse opened for you two right it's like muse is a well-established <laughs> band but let's it's you right? two yeah. like you open for them if you're offered it right like you know exactly uh it's just i reread them because during our episode we were i was talking about how i didn't quite remember them and how I remember I loved them, but I didn't quite remember them. Yeah. And how frustrating it was that there wasn't a third. And I am glad that I reread them. Mm-hmm. But I'm also, like, frustrated that I reread yeah. them. Glad, mad, and it, like, sad. Because it, like, surfaced it. Glad, mad, and sad. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. So. Yeah. Well, I feel for you, man. I think he, of the <laughs> fantasy authors, like, I think he has the best prose, right? I think he just, like, he writes like he's writing poetry. Yeah, it is. It, it you know it captures you. It it pulls your heartstrings quick. Um, oh man, yeah. It it's like every twenty pages I have goosebumps about something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Just even just the way small things are said or explained to you. You know, seven words to make a woman love you, and you know, there's, how many times he says seven words? How many times he's you know like that he like, can continue to bring back that theme. You know, this little rep- yes. this little reprise or this little motif. It just like keeps clicking, and every time you're like, "Fuck, that was good!" Like that was really good. Got me again. Yep. <laughs> yep. And and like the two books combined to around seventy hours of audiobook. Right. Yeah. They're, they're not short books, and I found myself multiple times like pausing, like one, two, three, <laughs> four, five. Six, nice nice <laughs> he did it <laughs> yeah because he doesn't even always call it out he sometimes just lets it no happen. yeah yeah so if you're reading through them like listen for that or yeah. if you're actually physically reading through it it's probably a little bit easier but like <laughs> <laughs> i mean like it it's it's not insignificant how many times he says quote seven words that would make a woman love you yeah so yeah it, it's fun yeah great great narrator yeah, you know it's oh the narrator is phenomenal so like kind of i i've i've finally gotten back to reading slash listening to wheel or eye of the world Mm. so i'm actually doing that nice the narrator for eye of the world is hard for me that's interesting i I, because like he does mistborn like there's no way yeah i'm i'm 100 on that it's um oh shoot what's it yeah i'm gonna have to google it because i can't think of his name i've I, i was just trying to think of nick podell's name who does um who does name of the wind. He also did like the land series, which we read a little bit of. Cause I was like, we read something or we listened to something else by Nick Podell and it was, it was the land. Yeah. Michael Kramer. It's, it's Michael Kramer. And just to be a hundred percent. Yeah. So Michael Kramer and Kate, Kate Redding. Is that her name? Yeah. So I don't know what it is, but for some reason it just feels very like lethargic. Yeah. While he's reading. Mm. 
Yeah, it is um, Kate Redding. And it may be like, I mean, he would have been much later in his career as a narrator, right? Like 10, 10 something years later. Yeah. He would have actually yeah. read Mistborn. Yeah. And like, I, that surprised me, right? Like I did not realize that that was the same person. So yeah. that, that really surprises me. You would me. definitely notice the, it when, um, because I don't think it's in eye of the world. I think it's in dragon reborn where Kate Redding comes in and, and that's the female pair of, you know, of the two of them. So she yeah. also does Mistborn and you're like, that's Vin. Like I definitely know her voice. <laughs> like, yeah. Her voice is very recognizable to me. Vin. And also like they both, I believe they both do um, the Stormlight archives series as well. And so they, you get like, you know, all of those characters and you start to recognize their voices. But I do have it set up so that like my Kindle and audible will sync to each other. Oh, and neat. so I do like pass off. And so that is helping me get into the narration style a little bit. And because like that, that was one of the hardest transitions to audiobook for me. Cause I read about half the book mm. and then I switched to audio and like all the words were pronounced differently than I was saying them in my head. And that like took a little bit, yeah. but like having that blend and kind of doing the two together is really helping. So wait, explain yeah. a little so bit, I, a bit to me about what's actually happening here. So what, like what is Kindle and audiobook like or audible? Like what do they do together? Yep. So like whenever I listen through audible, and I listen to a chapter. When I open up my Kindle, it says, hey, on another device, we noticed that you're at this point in the book. Do you want to jump there? And Whoa. I say yes, and it jumps me there. Yeah, because they're both cool. Amazon. Yeah. They're both Amazon. So they they uh, they sync up with each other. And so, nice. I mean, that, that's that been really seamless mm. transitions. So I, I've, I've been enjoying that. That's helped with kind of transferring back and forth. I think probably I will go more towards audiobook just because i can consume audiobooks more than i can sure. physical books and i want to try and maintain two and i'd rather not read a book that takes me 30 hours to physically read just because i don't have 30 hours to physically read yeah. stuff yeah yeah so, i hear you there where like just but, for my knowledge not necessarily yeah. the listener but for my knowledge where are you like like 60 percent, 40 percent, like where are you I, in the book about 60 percent. okay yeah. So I'm about 60% of the way through and it's kind of fun. So my wife and I have started watching this show and we're, we're getting to like, I'm like right where I'm at in the book. So then I'm like reading more mm. and we'll watch the next episode. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. it's kind of like this cat and mouse game, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about. Um, we'll right talk now. about, <laughs> that's our, let's do it. Let's, that's our let's segue. just dive into it. <laughs> Let, that's our segue. Segways are fun. Yeah. So book to screen ad adaptations. Yeah. That was I think how you pronounce that word. Yes. Anyways, so the four point six percent you said, or four point six. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're getting there. We may have had one or two before we started the episode. Anyways, yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that screen media is a lot more consumable for. Oh, oh, I was I was ex I, you're undoing the bottle. I was expecting a nice like pop. Oh, satisfying. Did you not get out. it? I heard it, but I'm maybe not. I I didn't enough. hear it. No, that's right. Okay, but time out. Time out. Time out beautiful yeah anyways so <laughs> screen ad <laughs> i think screen media is a lot easier for uh people to consume on a wide scale basis right mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. books audiobooks are a lot more narrow of a market and so there's an incentive for authors and screenwriters and people to push media into a screen format whether that be a tv show a movie or a limited series. Yeah. I think I kind of view TV shows and limited series as kind of mutually exclusive things because mm. they do different things to me. Okay. For, for me. Yeah. Um, so I think there is an incentive there. I, and I, I love TV. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that 
I don't like TV. I don't like movies. I love both of those. I yeah. think that it is hard to implement something that you have read and loved in a audio slash book format mm-hmm. into on screen because everything is different. Yeah. Right. And so Wheel of Time actually is in, you know, kind of my interesting, quote unquote, interesting adaptations. Yeah. Right. Because they take some liberties. They do. Right. <laughs> right. So they do. Um so, so talk to me about that. What, what, what are some of the liberties that we see in the yeah. Wheel of Time so, show? So first of all, I think it has to be said in this conversation that our our world of literary to of current of like things that are coming out right now and in the last couple of years, literary to media adaptations is dominated by the effects that Game of Thrones had. Right. Oh my gosh! Yes, Game yeah. of Thrones absolutely was a game changer. Like. It was yeah. it shattered expectations for what Yeah. And it was so good for a while. It was so good, right? It I mean everybody watched it, it felt like, right? It was this huge cultural phenomenon. Um everybody was at least aware of it, if not like actively watching it. People like fantasy fans were watching it because they had read it, you know, then people who just like action were watching it, you know, people who liked sports were I mean, everybody was watching it. Um, we had Game of Thrones watch parties. Yeah, we did. Right, like, and they were awesome. Like, <laughs> they 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 were they were incredible. And people that didn't like fantasy were watching Game of Thrones because it was the thing to do. Yeah, because it had right? it brought fantasy into the mainstream. Yeah, and it was sexy and it was cool yeah. and there was great. You know, like there was it was so so many wins about it, right? And so yeah. right now we're in this phase, it, and I, we've talked about where everything wants to be Game of Thrones, right? Everything wants to yeah, be the next absolutely. Game of Thrones. Yes. And sometimes people don't understand, I think, why Game of Thrones was successful. And so they just try to make it look and feel like Game of Thrones in a hope that it will be. That's not what made it successful. It's not, no. Um, yeah. Because Game of Thrones, the show, was pretty true to the books for the most part, you know? Until it got bad. Until it got bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until they ran out of and books. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. Right. And that that's something that I had down is that Game of Thrones was really, really good until we ran out of content. Yeah. And I think what they didn't realize and that I well, okay, like we're sitting here talking like we, we understand the world. Mm. But like <laughs> they, yeah, like, if everybody just did what we said to do, you know, we we'd yeah, have great content, like, you know. Yeah, like I have, I haven't seen a show killed faster and more adequately than Game of Thrones has been, (laughs) right? Like (laughs) it almost looks intentional, right? Because it it was so successful. It was so successful. Like, I mean, people today on the Game of Thrones subreddit are complaining about season eight, and Mm -hmm. it's been two years, been three years. Yeah, right. Like, and it's just like it's been insane, but it's because it ran out of book, right? Like Mm -hmm. the, the. cinematography which i'm not an expert in by any means like to me felt the same Mm -hmm. i mean except for that one battle of winterfell which was just black for an hour but like it it felt very similar but what changed was the story yeah definitely you didn't have martin writing the story yeah and i think people would have forgiven cinematography mistakes right there are scenes in season eight where there's like like a Dasani water bottle, right? Just like in the shot, like it just it just is in there. Nobody edited it out, you know. Um, you can take a screen, Nailed like it. a still, and it's it's like that's a water bottle. Yeah. And I think people would have been like, "Are you kidding me? Like this is Game of Thrones?" But yeah. they wouldn't have, and they would have memed it, and you know, like where fans are critical. Like we would have done all of that, but it would have been forgiven, I think, if the story had held up, and it just it 
Exactly. It didn't, right? But if you're listening to this podcast and you're listening to it for a book episode, I think probably 80% of you have were big Game of Thrones fans. You have experienced the disappointment that we've experienced. Um, and so and so you feel our pain. We don't we don't want to dwell on just why <laughs> season eight was bad, um, because it's also important to recognize why like the you know the first five to six seasons were were great. And because they were again, because they were so great, everything wants to be them. So get back to your original question. We're doing tangents tonight. This is like fantasy and some flights and some tangents. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what are the changes that they made in um, in Wheel of Time? The first one that is obvious is they sexed it up. Right. Yep. Robert Jordan. They made a Game of Thrones. Know, they, they, they took it towards Game of Thrones. They took it towards Game of Thrones. Right. Robert yeah. Jordan was Mormon. Um, he did not write overt sexy scenes into it. Like he wrote romances, but like there was, I, I'm in book three and there's never an implication. Like there, every once in a while, there's like a little bit of a hint of a joke into like something that could be sexy, yeah. you know, but it's not right. like there's nobody's sleeping with anybody nobody's naked around yeah. anybody this you know no one's having sex with their sister right <laughs> sex with their sister in the fourth chapter um yeah <laughs> you know and like there's there's like cute embarrassed like scenes where like this 20 year old is like seen without a shirt you know and a girl like makes a comment about how strong he is and he's like oh you know like don't look at me and he throws a bed sheet around himself because he's so modest right. <laughs> just 20 yeah. year old man like that's that's the tone that the book is written in, and the TV show specifically chose to change the tone. And so then the question for us as critics is: is that tone change an improvement? And for, yeah, that, for me, the answer is that's no. A good question. Yeah, but the, their their points to make money, right? And sometimes a tone change like that makes them more money. And then also as a fan, it's like, well, if they make more money, is the show better? <laughs> in season four, <laughs> in, in their eyes, yes. In their right? eyes, yeah. like. And as how many people can you get to subscribe? How many people can you get to watch mm-hmm. the Wheel of Time show? And like, were they more successful in bringing new people in by sexing it up or by alienating the hardcore fan- fans? Yeah. Right? Because from kind of what I've seen is that a lot of the quote unquote fans of Wheel of Time don't necessarily love the show. Yeah. But I think people who have not necessarily read the book enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a right. lot of people and are so, like, yeah, seven out of ten, good, not great, right? Yeah, yeah. So where, what, are, what are we shooting for, right? Yeah, yeah. And we also, we come into this conversation knowing that changes are necessary, right? Um, yeah. It and and in some cases they can be good. Like I think Wheel of Time tries to frame itself as like we are trying to do this as a different interpretation of the story. Like we're going to hit the main plot points, but we're going to take the characters there in a slightly different way, trying to be true to who they are as characters. Um, but in a way that's just a little bit more friendly for, you know, for media. Um, yes, exactly. And one of the things that is highlighted in Wheel of Time as I'm kind of reading them and watching them in parallel is that the stories are progressing at different speeds. I, I don't I, I don't consider this a spoiler. So sorry if you do. But like there's a point where like the party splits and we mm-hmm. we go th- down multiple different storylines mm-hmm. in, in Eye of the World, like the, the first season, the first book. And different events are happening at different times in the book versus the TV show. And I think that's because TV is looking for those exciting moments. Yeah. And those exciting moments are not always happening at the same time in a book, right? Where a book, you can go a chapter to describe the intricacies of what is going on and the background and all of that. And that's interesting and exciting. That's really hard to captivate an audience for an hour long TV show. Yeah. So we, (laughs) When we're watching this, my wife is sitting there watching. It's like, have we caught up? I'm like, 
kind of kind like of, yeah i i know what's happening in this storyline but not that storyline right and so so that's been kind of interesting uh, i think it's gonna be really fun once i finish both of them and look back on it mm-hmm. to see how i liked those changes i think that we well we as in like the collective of you don't necessarily love the the pacing changes mm-hmm. is that so yeah yeah i think that's accurate um but i'm also trying to recognize like like you know, let's think of this in terms of how do you, all these elements that we've gone through over the podcast of how you tell a story, right? Um, so there's elements of character development, there's elements of narration, there's elements of story arc, right? That all get changed as you as you translate into media. Yes. Um, yeah. And so taking just again and continuing to look at uh, at Wheel of Time as a kind of a microcosm as an example of this, look at story arc. In story arc, we talked about points of tension, right? And books will write in points of tension so that there feels like a, like a rise and fall action is, and they get more and more intense as you rise to the climax as the last one. And then you have the falling action on the other side, right? Um, but you can look at very like you know, take Lord of the Rings, right? And so you're like, oh, okay, so so there's Weathertop, like that that's a tension point, right? Yep. Um, yeah. And then there's like the party like splitting, you know, um, where where Boromir dies and everything, and like that, you know, that's a tension Bummer. point. Um, and and it's very important to like keep the story moving. Well, a TV show needs a tension point in every single episode, right? There yes. almost has to be an episode arc. There has to be something that goes yes, on. Exactly, um, yes. And in order for the audience just to be engaged in this episode or else they're going to be like, this episode sucked. And then they're, you know, yeah. they're going to lose viewers. They get a bad rating and ratings are average and it's just bad for them. And so in Wheel of Time, they have even taken story ideas that have existed in much later books. I've, I've, I've not read as far as like, past i'm always in book three but i've i've heard from 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 friends who have watched it that there are actually story elements existing from like books six maybe seven that have oh, been wow. that have been pulled forward to tell a tension point basically um, yeah where it's okay. it's a similar wow. idea told in a slightly different way or at a different time um but included and so it's like true to kind of the story as a whole but it's being done now because they need a tension point in this episode, right? They need these characters to have like this happen to them right now. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point where every episode needs to needs to tell its own story, right? You need to have a reason to come back. You can't have a bland episode, right? Like we see that a lot in anime where there's just mm-hmm. like nothing happens. But you can't do that in something that costs millions and millions and millions of dollars to produce right yeah. like, yeah. like you're gonna get fired real quick right. but but i think that uh kind of another way to look at this is kind of when series break up their last movie mm. so like i'm thinking of like harry potter did this mm-hmm. um hunger games did this divergence tried to do this but like harry potter let's let's just look at that one right book seven was split up into two movies because i think there was criticism and fair that they weren't capturing all of the entirety of the longer books into a feature length film. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is fair, right? Like when you look at them on a shelf, you're like, Oh, okay. Little, 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 big, (laughs) big, big, big. big. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I love the first couple Harry Potter movies Mm -hmm. and they, 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 get worse over time because there's too much to try and capture in the limited time that you have. Mm-hmm. And so the way that they tried to solve this is to put in or to break up book seven into two movies. So mm-hmm. there's Deathly Hallows part one and Deathly Hallows part two. But I think that they they were 
as far as I understand, they were kind of the ones that pioneered this, mm. breaking up the last book into two. And I don't think that they did a good job at all, right? Like, I think that they had the time and the, like, means to capture everything. But what you're saying is every episode needs a story arc. I don't really think part one has a good story arc. Yeah. Right? It's them camping for two hours. And you're just like, come on. Yeah. Like, so even like as a reader that appreciates the book and wants the movie to stay true to form, <laughs> I'm just like, come on. Like, yeah. Can we get, like, I understand that this is what the book is doing, but let's do something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to watch them camp forever. Absolutely. And so it, it's, it's kind of funny to see, you know, us talk about that and say like, that's, that's the problem. And then like when a book or a movie tries to capture that, you're like, yeah. Nah. Nah. Right. Yeah. And I would say contrast to like Dune, right? Like 2021 Dune. Oh, which ooh. that's my good column, by the way. That's the good column, oh. right? Like, <laughs> I, I think we both loved it. I think it was great. Oh, it was fen- phenomenal. Emily, yes. you know, well, my, my fiance was talking to me the other day. She's like, hey, when's Dune coming out? You know, <laughs> like, and she's, <laughs> yeah. Like, she's not, a, you know, she's not a fantasy and sci fi person. Um, and she doesn't typically like get into that type of thing, but she's like, I want to know what happens, you know, like it it was, it got you. It was great. And and I thought they picked an excellent cut point. You know, I was like, you know, if I had written it, that's where I would have stopped. I I think I wouldn't have done three movies. I would have done two. I would have stopped right there. Yep. So as a fan, you're like, yeah, good call. Like nicely done. Good call. Um, Yep. And it let them make, you know, just a couple little short, like shortcuts, right? Just like plotline shortcuts. That was like, you didn't cut Mm -hmm. out a huge section. You just, you just had to cut a corner here and there just to make time. And it was still really, it's a long movie. (laughs) It's like, it is a long movie, yeah. But it follows that story arc that we yeah. were talking about in our in our story arc episode, where it has the exposition, the rising action, the climax, and then like a slight falling action. Yeah. But there's more to it, Definitely. right? And like Harry Potter Part One has that to some extent. It's just not exciting, especially when you know it's coming. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like I don't think the, like I don't the, think a character death counts as a climax. Right. You know. Yeah. Exactly. So. So that's that's kind of interesting. Um, but if you are breaking it up into movies, into stories, then you have to work under that limitation that you have to follow a story arc because mm-hmm. people want to be entertained. Yeah, and it's easier to do that in a book. Not saying that it's easy at all, but it's it's easier to tell that over a book. So definitely very interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about another. Um just categorical difference between the two, right? So just another okay. element of storytelling. Um, for, for me, the next one in mind is narration, right? Okay. So narration, when I'm reading a book, the author has the liberty to tell me whatever they want. You know, they can enter <laughs> yeah. any character's mind. They can tell me what they're thinking. Yeah. They can skip to any part of the battlefield or, the, you know, the yeah. you know, they can tell me any scene at any time by anyone in anyone's head. And specifically, I think it's that part. It's the in that in someone's head that becomes extremely tricky because there's not a good way right now. Like, it seems campy if someone, if you, like, hear a voiceover of what a character is thinking while they're, like, doing things. Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't know why that seems campy, but it just kind of comes just across. feels weird. Yeah, it just is weird. It doesn't feel natural um, in the yeah. media. And right. so now, like, writers lose that, right? Like, they can no yeah. longer tell you what a character is thinking, so they have to find, like, other ways to go about doing it. Yep. And I, I, I have a bad example of that for you. Okay. And, and that would be Ender's Game, right? Yeah. So... Ender's Game is not a good, not a good movie. Yeah, it it is not. And the initial 
intention was to com- take Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow and combine them into the movie for Ender's Game. So mm-hmm. uh, Ender's Game is told from Ender's perspective. Ender's Shadow is told from Bean's perspective. And the idea was to combine the two so that you could have that kind of internal monologue and let Bean explain what Ender is doing. And then they cut that at the last minute, and it was just awful. It was <laughs> We don't talk about Ender's Game. Yeah. We don't talk about Bruno, and we don't talk about Ender's Game. But <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but like that is a interesting way to go about solving the problem that they eventually cut. Mm. But so much of Ender's Game is told through internal monologue of Ender, and that's what makes it great. Yeah, and you lose that in a movie. And I think that when they were producing that movie they're like cool lasers laser fights and battleships let's go like this is going to be an instant seller and again like people like story Mm -hmm. right people aren't there for the flashy lights they like story and i think that's why ender's game fell flat because you couldn't they they weren't able to get that internal monologue that narration across Mm -hmm. in in the cinematic format yeah and I would compare it back to um, Game of Thrones, where this is, I think, something that Game of Thrones seasons one through five was extremely successful <laughs> at, right? Like, yeah. Um, because Game of Thrones is told in a third person limited, right? And it's been a long time since the narration episode. But what this, what that implies or means is that every every chapter is told from only one character's perspective. And in, and in Game of Thrones specifically, it will tell you, like, at, and it's like the title of the chapter, it'll say Tyrion, right? It'll, it'll, yeah. it'll say Jamie. It, it'll it'll say like whoever. There's more than just the Lannisters. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, Arya. You know, like it'll tell you whose perspective you're going to hear, and then they are the only ones who you're allowed to hear their internal thoughts for this chapter. And it's a cool way to tell a story. We've talked in narration about why this is a successful um, model in, especially in fantasy writing right now. It's like the big way to write stories. Um, but take that into a, a a TV show, and all of a sudden you lose access to that, right? Like, how do I tell the story? Um, so what they do is they they manage it's so cool it's it's so well done they manage to give you the feeling in a specific scene that you are seeing it from a specific character's perspective right right even though you're not but it's like you feel like you're following Tyrion through the scene and it's little elements like Tyrion will walk through the door and the camera's behind him right or um or there will be like three scenes in Winterfell and all of them are like Catelyn Stark is in them. And she's the only one that's consistent in them, right? So you feel like you're following Catelyn like through her day as she like goes around and like does her thing, right? Right, um, yeah. So they accomplish this feeling of like you you see scene to scene like why she is making a decision. So even though you're not hearing that internal monologue, you're, he- you're seeing, oh, she has information here, here, and here. That's why she's making this decision over here. Right. Or like you hear Tyrion and he's making all these witty, quippy remarks back and forth. And you're like, I get what he's implying because I have access to the information that he has. I know that he knows this about this person and he's teasing them about that, you know. Um, and, and it gives you this like, I don't know, it just the way that the the writing of the, the you know, the TV writing brings you through the story really like mirrors that narration style. Um and I think it's so cool. I think it's like, I, I, I nerd out about it all the time. Where I'm like, man, that was, so, that was just so neat, you know, like that they actually accomplished yeah. giving you feelings of Arya scenes, you know, Rob scenes, Jon Snow scenes or whatever. Yeah, they, they did a fantastic job on doing that. And basically it can be done. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the points that I was interested in making on tonight's episode was that I think that it's a little bit easier to do that in a TV slash limited series than it is a movie. Yeah. 
um, right? Because you have more time. You you have more time to build empathy with the characters and show, not tell what they are doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, Hollywood is understanding that mm-hmm. and learning that, especially with the success of Game of Thrones, like what we were talking about. Yeah. Right? Like Wheel of Time isn't a movie for a reason. Yeah. Right? Rings of Power is not going to be a movie for a reason. Yeah. And it's because I think production costs are coming down. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, like, they spent, you know, a billion dollars on Rings of Power. But, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. production costs are coming down. It's easier to make TV shows, and I think people probably prefer them yeah. for these longer stories, right? I think that movies still have their place in, like, the action and, like, you know, let's let's do these short things, like The Martian, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want that to be a TV show, right? Mm-hmm. That was an excellent movie. They captured the book perfectly. Yeah. And, like... I, I didn't want it to be longer. Well, okay. I mean, that's kind of a lie. Like, I, I, I see how if it got longer, it could lose its magic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think also just like looking at financial drivers with the advent and the money in streaming services right now, right? There's a return right. from, oh, a studio puts out a movie and they make money only on this movie to like what is the IP, like the actual content the base that our streaming service as Amazon Prime, as Netflix or, right. or whatever that we yeah. have, that people are going to be like, oh, I need to get Amazon Prime because I want to watch Rings of Power. I want to watch Wheel yes. of Time. I want to yeah. watch Man in the High yeah. Castle, right? I like All of these things drive them towards more than movies. People don't, wouldn't really go to streaming services so much for like what movie they have that's like a Hulu exclusive or whatever. Um, but TV shows that like I know I can be invested into for 50 hours of entertainment... That starts to right. affect my decision. Yeah. Also, like, random side note. So, Project Hail Mary is getting a movie. Ooh. And, yep. And Ryland is being played by Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Dude, so. actually, I love that. I think that's a great <laughs> cast. I know. It's, it's amazing. First of all, I love Ryan Gosling. Uh, like, and yeah. Yes. I love Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, I am very excited for whenever that comes out. Yeah. But, oh, that'll be really good. <laughs> yeah yep but it's gonna be a movie and i think that's the right call right i don't want to i don't want a tv show for project hail mary yeah the most i would accept is a three or four series episode limited series right but yeah but it's a but two even, to four hours of content yes max. yes exactly right mm-hmm. well that's exciting news yeah i hadn't heard that yet yeah so yeah i heard it here I, first. I, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> exactly so the last for me big sort of sort of storytelling aspect that i wanted to touch on that that just seems very different from movie um would be would be character development right okay um i think in books authors have a lot of liberty to write in little scenes little quips little touches um, yes things that take a page or two um but can give you just some just some very rich character development that movies and shows that's the type of stuff where if they're going to cut a corner that's that's where they have to do it right that is yep. that is tough to to keep in. It's the first thing that like is on the chopping block, um, which is sad because it's our favorite stuff often, right? Like yeah. character development is our is our bread and butter, right? I think if I was going to like pick something like an area that struggled with it, I think I would pick maybe uh, maybe the Hobbit. We haven't talked too much about the Hobbit. Um, don't. I'm going to do it to you. I'm going to do it to you. No, just please don't. Right. With the exception of Bilbo, who was, I I thought, fairly well fleshed (laughs) out and and did a great job because also I just really like Martin Freeman. But, you know. (laughs) So, so real quick, my notes on The Hobbit for tonight's episode, just The Hobbit, 
Why did they do that? <laughs> that that's, that's all I have written down. So, Why so, have please you proceed. hurt me? <laughs> the, okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say one more thing, and then I'll let you talk. Okay. But the Hobbit is half the length of the Fellowship of the Ring, and it got three times as many movies. Mm-hmm. Anyways, mm-hmm. and it has proceed. much poorer character development across those oh three movies than exists in just Fellowship of the Ring. There's a movie that is only like three pages in the book. Yeah. Like, right. Like the main character is knocked out for the entire third movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways, we don't need him. Sorry. We don't need him. There's a dragon. <laughs> anyways, please. Dragons look yeah. cool. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch is crawling on the ground in a green suit. It, you know, it's fine. <laughs> Hilarious. If you haven't watched it, please go look it up. It's so anyways. Funny. But anyways, yeah. but think, seriously though, think about it, right? Like where, how does, oh, you watch Fellowship of the Ring. You can name me all nine characters of the Fellowship of the Ring. Yes. Right? Yeah. Name me the dwarves that go on the mission with Bilbo. Right? And it's like... Bofer. Oh. And, and part of that, honestly, that is part of it. I, I will give you that. That's part. It's like naming the seven dwarves and... No, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. They're like feelings and stuff. Like, whatever. You know, like, they're hard names. Uh, and some of yeah. them are like, they're, you know, it's like... There's Balin and Balin or something. Like, I don't know. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're hard they're to tell apart. So, I get that. But I don't, I don't know that they are unique and individualized, right? Um, yes. And and some of that may be. I don't know that they totally are in the Hobbit either. Like some, of, they are kind of like. There's like Bilbo. There's Gandalf. There's like one or two main dwarves, and then there's like the collective of the rest of them, right? Yes. Um, I and I I think that's that's key, right? Like there are a couple of dwarves that are key. Mm-hmm. and stand out in the book but i don't know if i see that in the movie yeah right it's it's the dwarves right are over there right. right and i think the point is like because it's struck into three movies the they almost felt forced to develop them and that yeah was detrimental right because they can't do it's harder to do flashbacks it's harder to do um scenes around the campfire you know it, it's hard to do these like little one-off things that just again just add this texture just add this enrichment of you know hey what what makes boromir what what makes him an interesting character yeah. right he yeah. does not have that many lines in fellowship of the ring but you when he dies like you feel it and you're like oh wow you know like that's character development you know that he yes. can yeah. the way he responds to like what if we took the ring for ourselves right like that establishes him mm. immediately yep. It's it yep. you know it's it's like this clarifying moment. It's rock solid. Here is Boromir, and here's who he is, and you're like, whoa, you know, and like, and that carries forward. It affects his character. There's all this great character development stuff that happens as a result of that. Um, that just in The Hobbit doesn't translate, and I think that's why I bring it up is because it, it's this easy side by side, right? Lord of the Rings yeah. versus versus The Hobbit. Why is one good? Why is one First, not? Yeah, and and rewinding a little bit to what you were saying about like the character development in a book where you can take a page to do that. I think that it makes it harder in movies because you your characters are being played by actors and actresses mm-hmm. and they're going to put their own spin on it and it's going to be hard to capture that emotion that you spent a paragraph writing in a second split second scene mm-hmm. i think that the lord of the rings did it incredibly i think that a lot of the cgi struggles with that a little bit more mm-hmm. right like it, yeah. it's harder yeah. to relate to something that looks cgi yeah I, I I would agree with that. Yeah. Or I would I would agree with myself. Yeah, good job. That. Cool. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Good point, Nelson. Good point, Nelson. Uh, but I like you look at like the the Trollocs in Wheel of Time versus the Orcs in Lord of the Rings, Ugh. right? Ugh. You're like gonna I get, mean, you're gonna do me a 
current, you know, do me a conundrum. <laughs> and I think I care about and am more scared of the orcs because they don't look CGI to me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. Like I think that that goes a long way. And I think that CGI is something that's new and interesting and exciting for the film industry. I think it has its place, but I don't think that we have the technology to necessarily do it on like humanoid figures yet. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that takes a lot away. And when you're spending that time and energy in a book to describe the look that Kavoth gave Denna, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to be able to capture that in a film aspect, especially if you're using CGI. Yeah. And so like, you're going to have tweaks and everything for all the characters, especially if it's a well-known actor or actress, mm-hmm. right? If you have like someone come in and you have a big name like Ryan Gosling playing um, Ryland mm-hmm. in, in, in the new movie, right? Like you already have a preconceived no- notion of what Ryan Gosling is. And is that going to skew how you think of the main character in this movie? Yeah, that's a really good so, point. It's a really good point. And it takes a little bit of dedication from the actor to not do that, right? Like, um, yes. Yeah. Again, Henry Cavill playing into Geralt, where he's like this huge nerd, right? He's like, I love The Witcher. He did a really good job. Yeah. I love The Witcher video games. And he's like, I'm not going to be Henry Cavill playing The Witcher. I'm going to be The Witcher, right? Yeah. Um, And so he's like willing to do that. Um, Excellent. Yeah. It's a great example, right? Yeah. It it, it just takes a very high caliber actor Mm -hmm. to, to do that. And, if they're well known, it's just a, even a bigger hill to climb. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, they kind of have the work set out for him. I did want to bring up from a character development perspective the narrative style that The Witcher chose, where they chose to do a, a, a series of short stories as their first season. It really let them do that, right? They got to build into like yeah, yeah. Yargon Zigrid. They got to build into Yaskir and to Yennefer and to like the you know like into into who Pavetta is, into who Dooney is, into into who Calanthe like her grandmother is. Like everybody kind of got an episode, or they um, at least you know they got sometimes one or two. Uh, Tris Marigold, the battle sound like they, there's all this content that when you're watching it in the first season, you're kind of like, well, this is like what the hell is going on? This is really confusing. <laughs> What's the timeline? You know, like there it. it it throws you for a loop. Um, but right. when you continue to watch and Yargon Zigrid, the dwarf shows up again, you, you know, the TV show doesn't have to be like, Oh, he, this guy, it, his name's Yargon Zigrid. And, and the, um, the audience has to be like, I guess he's a dwarf and all the nerds are like, Oh, it's Yargon Zigrid. You know, like there, there's now a connection because <laughs> right. he got his own episode in the first season. You're like, Oh, it's yeah. this guy again. Yeah. Right. He like had yeah. a whole, whole episode to develop himself. And so that I don't know that every, book is going to lend itself to this. I don't know that every show is going to lend itself to this. But again, we talked about earlier, every episode in a show needs an individual arc. And sometimes I think you can say, we're going to introduce the character and we're going to tell a storyline that that's arc is just basically centered around this character just for this episode. And maybe they'll be written out. Maybe they'll continue or maybe they'll come back later or whatever. A TV show can lend itself to that with a little bit of reorganizing of maybe when timelines and storylines happen in that sort of thing. So um, sometimes I think as right. audience members, we have to be a little bit forgiving of that and try and recognize like, Oh, uh, wheel of time. I think I've mentioned this before wheel of time in the books. Matt doesn't have sisters, but Matt has a consistent protectiveness of, um, of, of female other characters, but specifically female characters. That, that's like a main character right. trait for yeah. him. So they wrote into yes. the show. Uh, oh, he has little sisters. 
And it's like, that is good. That's a quick, easy way to just that, explain. That's an easy way to do that. Yeah, yeah. to just explain who he is in, 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 a, in a very quick scene, right? Okay. So, so I think that we cannot finish this episode without talking about some of the all-stars and some of the blunders, mm. right? <laughs> so let's, uh, let's end on a high note. So what are some of the failures of the book-to-movie adaptation or book-to-screen that, that you've seen over your lifetime. And I think these are a little bit easier to find than the all-stars. Yeah. I'm struggling. I think if it's bad enough, we've talked about it in, in my mind. Um, and, and <laughs> there, that there are a couple mis- on my list. What's that? There are a couple on my list. Oh, that we, that we haven't hit yet. So, okay. I think, yeah. well then why don't you, why don't you go ahead then? Cause all the ones that were Aragon. bad on my list, we've, we've already talked the Hobbit Ender's game. You know, these were the Aragon. Aragon. Oh, see, I just Aragon movie was so bad that no one will even touch it again. Yeah, it was so like, bad I forgot about it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it had sixteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It was incredibly bad. <laughs> it was so 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 bad. And like to the fact, like I don't think that we will ever get a remake just because of how much of a stigma that movie carries with it. Yeah, and I don't think that a director is ever going to touch it seeing what they already did and people coming in with a preconceived notion of like that's not a good story that haven't read the book yeah my only hope there though is like dune has had bad adaptations right dune had a Fair. movie dune had like so a we just have to wait 30 years. yeah we had to like wait 30 years i think and then <laughs> if it's okay. a big enough deal we might get it we might get it back oh man okay i need to stop talking about aragon or else i'm gonna get actually frustrated yeah, gonna um the the other Tell one me, that real that quick I, do you Based on the elements we've talked about tonight, can you identify a couple of things about why it was bad? There, there's, there's a lot, but just can you highlight a couple of things that like, you know, that make it bad, that justify that feeling? So I, I'm going to be honest with you, I have blocked the majority of that movie out of my memory. <laughs> but I think that, <laughs> I think that one of the biggest things is that there is no development between Aragon and Sephira. So Sephira is Aragon's dragon, right? And to, to the fact, like in the movie, Sephira hatches from this egg which aragon thinks is a rock that he finds in the woods Sephira hatches flies away comes back and says i am Sephira," and is like fully grown hmm. and there's no bonding there's no growth and that is what really like brings you in and makes you connect with the characters right mm-hmm. like throughout the book right there is there's 60 70 percent of the book where Sephira is helpless she can't do anything and aragon's there protecting her and then that later in the story when Sephira is the one protecting Aragon Mm -hmm. really kind of shows how powerful that is Mm -hmm. and there was such a non-relationship that was you know perpetuated with this whole like she flies away she literally flies away like so it's it's not even like a uh uh literary flying away Mm -hmm. she physically flies away Mm -hmm. and then comes back and like they just cut out all of that bonding yeah and that's you know the majority of what i remember from that movie because yeah. <laughs> yeah, i, I, I blocked, just like blocked totally it fine. um but like i do think it is it, a story it just, like, that hurts is like so much to see that it does it does hurt i do think it <laughs> yeah. is an opportunity for a show i don't think anyone will do it but i think it, yeah, i think no. the opportunity is there it has a lot of tension points i think the storylines lend themselves to a show setting i don't think anyone's gonna do yeah. it i don't think anyone's yeah. gonna touch it and it's a shame because it's, yep. it's really fun i mean it's a risk to do it, right? Like, yeah. I, I think that the story is incredible. I would watch it, but I think that anyone who has not read the book, they look it up and they're like, okay, I'm not I'm not doing that. Yeah. It needs time. It needs time to breathe uh, before anyone's ever going to poke it with a 10-foot stick. Yeah. I do think, without spoiling anything, that there 
is an opportunity to do a show that takes place after the cycle, the book cycle is complete. Mm. I would be interested in that. Yeah. Like the, the story that follows. Yeah. So I, okay. I think that that would be an interesting um, kind of TV show to kind of dip your toe into the water with. Yeah. But, um, and, and if Paolini kind of helps write that. So I think that'd be interesting. Yeah. Did you come up with a bad one? I have one more. No, go but, for it. Go for it. Okay. So, <laughs> so do you remember Divergent? the the series yeah i never read divergent okay i mean like i i don't know if you'd love it right right it's very hunger game esque yeah it's it's Um, young adult yeah yep but they did the same thing where they broke up the last movie into two parts and the first part did so bad that they canceled the second part oh goodness (laughs) oh no and they were like we're gonna make it a uh made for tv movie and the actors like no we're not (laughs) <laughs> not doing that <laughs> and so that that uh that came in with a incredible 11 percent on rotten tomatoes wow. which was allegiant so allegiant part one so i thought that the books were interesting um they're not my favorite books of all time right but they, they were interesting and the movies were canceled <laughs> so <laughs> so that that was my other kind of uh, series or uh, book slash movie that was on my like bad list that I wanted to talk about that we hadn't already talked yeah. about, but that I just needed to mention that because I was like, wow, okay, yeah, you <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> yep, you bummer. Alrighty, okay, so ending on a high note, ending on high some notes. of your favorite. Um, I wanted to bring up the magicians here mostly okay, because yeah. I think I like the show better than the book. Yeah, and I think part of that is because you get in the book the internal monologue and narrative of the main character, Quentin. And he's just like, he's so whiny. He's so like down and just melancholy. And like, it just kind of affects the whole tone of the book. And really like, just, it feels like you're wading through this quagmire of just bad feelings and negativity. (laughs) Right. Um, And in the show, they kind of are able to hide that a little bit. And, and so it just has a better tone. And I think with fantasy, like the reason we're seeing a lot of these um, implementations, right. Is because like, they're fun to watch, right? Like yeah, magic is yeah. fun to. Animate. They're entertaining. Yeah, they're entertaining. They're engaging, and it's visually appealing. And this show is very. It's visually very appealing. Yeah, and you know, and it, it feels like a. You know, we've compared this book to like college age Harry Potter, right? Like adult version of Harry Potter, where um, it's it feels like little boy doesn't know magic exists, finds out he has magical potential, goes to in this case college school to learn how to do magic stuff, joins magic fraternity. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. And um because there's not houses, but there's like groups and fraternities and stuff. And so like it, it feels very similar except for people are allowed to like drink and have sex. And <laughs> like as a show It's PG thirteen. It's PG thirteen. Um as a show I think it, it it works very well. I I really like Magicians like season one. Yep. I really like I, I like some of the elements of like season three, and then for some reason I think I just when se- I, like I finished the show what was out at the time, and I just never like picked it up when season four came out or however many are out now. I, I this was like right. five yeah. six years ago when I when I kind of like lost touch with it. But I don't. I just I thought that was a funny like it's a good success story because I liked when I went back and read the book after reading the series. I was like I don't like this as much. <laughs> yeah. I was not a fan of the book. Yeah. I, I didn't like the book. I really enjoyed the TV show. Yeah. So I, I think that's a really good example and one that is kind of rare, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't like the the literary version of it. Right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's do the TV show. Yeah. Like, that, that That's hard to come by. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, did, I didn't really have any that we hadn't already mentioned. I think that 
the the really good ones are Lord of the Rings, Dune, The Martian. Like those are some home runs, right? Mm-hmm. So we I already kind of slipped them in or we slipped them in already in the conversation. So there's yeah. nothing like there's 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 no surprise reveal for for the best one because I've already I've already shown my cards, but yeah. Yeah. Um I I do think there's a little more room to just like mention that while we don't agree with some of the late stage decisions of Harry Potter, that there are some good, really good implement. I think specifically going back to the characters. Yeah. There are, there are storyline shortcuts, which I wish didn't happen. Yes. But I do think on the whole with everyone, except for Jenny, the, the characters are, are captured very well. And, I, I and maybe yeah. also Dumbledore. I, I, I don't know that Dumbledore in later season, you know, is to- is totally a hundred percent where I would like him to be. But he's like 85. Dumbledore is so complex. He's such a complex character. Yeah. It, he's it, tough. Yeah. Like Voldemort, like nailed it. I don't yeah. know. I think he's yeah. excellent. It was incredible. Yeah. It was incredibly well done. I think the big think three are all like, really good. I don't, I don't the big three are all well done. I didn't necessarily love the fact that they gave a lot of Ron's good traits to Harry. Okay. So, that's true. That's, that, that's probably true. I right, think Ron like, is maybe gets a little bit of the short stick. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Ron's a little bit more three-dimensional in the books than he is in the movie. And, like, when you're watching the movie, you're like, why would Hermione ever end up with Ron? Like, I think that that's a valid, like, statement when you only watch the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, when you read the books, you're like, yeah, <laughs> Ron's the better choice there, right? Yeah. Um, but, so, so like, and that's just more things that they have to do because you can't give Ron that much screen time when it's a Harry Potter film mm-hmm. and you can't flesh him out as much as you can with Harry. And so you, you have to give Harry some of these attributes that help make him just look like an all-star. And so like it, they're all choices. They're all things that have to be done for, for this series. Yeah. And so I get it. I get it. I get it. But I wish it had been a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I am still waiting for the order the Phoenix TV show. The, the, r-rated hunt for voldemort mm-hmm. prequel yeah that is just like ev- the entire order is dying every episode type yeah dark gruesome i want it they're never gonna make it they're making like albus or magical beasts and where to find them albus dumbledore the prequel right. and i right. love prequels i have no interest in that movie whatsoever yeah it's coming out relatively soon right next couple months or so yeah yeah Summer, i just maybe. saw a trailer i was like I fell asleep during the second one. So <laughs> cool. <laughs> Nagini is a person. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I'm like, that's about as far as I got. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. I mean, like it, it's really interesting. It's a huge challenge, right? I, I feel like we're very critical because that's what our job is. Yeah. Um, but like, it's it cannot be easy right i can't do it like i can't take yeah. <laughs> i can't take a book and put it into uh, on a screen and make people like it mm-hmm. but i i'm going to sit here and criticize people who can't right. but, <laughs> but that's just because of who i am as a person yeah anyways it's really interesting to look at it and analyze it and kind of think about the choices that are being made mm-hmm. when that transition occurs and I like it. I like it when they stay more true to the book. I understand when they can't, but yeah. it, it's always fun and interesting to see yeah. the book that you know and love come to life on a screen. Definitely. Right? Like, and then you realize that you've been pronouncing that person's name wrong your entire life. Like, that kind of stuff is interesting <laughs> and fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's a, that's a really good point. And one of the reasons I really enjoyed preparing for this episode and talking about it is because I don't like not liking the screen implementation, right? Yes. I, I yeah. don't, I don't like, I, I come in with like, Oh, I read this book. I'm so excited. And I think so often people who read the book 
are so disappointed. And I want to equip you as the listener to be able to say, I understand it, right? I don't love it. I don't love that they made that choice, but I understand why it was made. And I'm able to still enjoy the content for what it is um, and Mm -hmm. able to respect that these people who haven't read the book, who I'm showing the content to, that they're enjoying it regardless of whether or not it's connecting with me as strongly, right? But now I have these other people who are in the world with me, right? Who can talk about blank character um, that I I couldn't talk, I, I could never talk with my parents about uh, about Aragorn as a character and what makes him interesting um, because, yeah. you know, if they hadn't watched the movies, but they have. And so now I can, right. And it's, yeah. it's kind of added yeah. that into yeah, yeah, my yeah. life and I'm, and I'm thankful for that. Unless it's Aragorn um, <laughs> <laughs> movie and TV implementations, just widen the people who are enjoying the things that we already enjoy. Right. Like I, I, I never want to try and criticize or judge people because they like a TV show or a movie and they haven't read the book or something like that yeah. because it, in, at the end of the day, like we can talk about Aragorn, we can talk about Harry Potter, we can talk about uh, Mark mm. Watley, right? Like right. It, they're they're characters that I love, and now more people love them, and so like people don't read as much as we do, mm. people don't read as much as you do who's listening, but people watch a lot of stuff, right? They yes. just watch the crap out of movies yeah. and TV shows, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's what we do. Yeah. And, and so like having more of these being implemented onto that screen really is just opening up the genre. And I think it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I have access to way more game of Thrones memes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the exactly. The meme, the memes themselves should be worth it. Yeah, exactly. If nothing else, <laughs> do it for the memes. <laughs> do it for the memes. <laughs> and on that note, I think we'll end. Yeah. Take um, us home. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for hanging out with us tonight. We we love doing these. So if you want to hang out and talk with us or interact with us more, you can find us on a couple of different platforms. I think the best place is going to be Instagram. So we're at Fantasy and Some Flights on Instagram. We post about board games and other stuff on Instagram. And we have a Discord, which you can find in the show notes description. So that's kind of it let us know what your favorite adaptations are what your least favorite uh, implementations are mm-hmm. because they're kind of fun to talk about the good and the bad and the ugly for sure and the aragon even right and the, so and the, good, like, the bad the ugly <laughs> that's a whole nother category <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother category but it, they're they're fun to talk about right they and are. so i i'm interested to see what you thought and like even outside of the fantasy sci-fi genre like there are a lot of implementations that we didn't dive into because it's not under the scope of this podcast that some good some bad Right. Forrest mm-hmm. Gump, really good. Great Gatsby, not so good. <laughs> right. So <laughs> like there, there are just a lot of different things to talk about. So come, come, come hang out, come chat. Yep. So let's do it. Awesome. Right. Well, it was, it was fantastic talking with you. I always love doing these. Always. So. Until next Until time. next time. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. You're doing the key. I'm doing the key. Yes. <laughs> the, the double cheers. The double cheers. <laughs>